Welcome into A to Z Sports Prime Time on a Tuesday night, not from the DraftKings Sportsbook Studios, but from Mobile, Alabama. Prime Time on the road. We're proud, as always, to be presented to you by Two Rivers Ford, the best in the business, Middle Tennessee's most trusted car dealership, Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at Two Rivers Ford. Dot com. Of course, you know DraftKings Sportsbook, promo code A2Z Sports gets you in on all the action in the DraftKings Sportsbook app using the promo code A2Z Sports. That's A-T-O-Z Sports. Brimac Mechanical will get you in your comfort zone. Satisfaction guaranteed on all of your HVAC needs. And when it comes to real estate investment, if you're buying your next home, your dream address without the stress, or selling, you want to sell your home for more, at GaryAshton.com with the official real estate agent of the Tennessee Titans, the Nashville Predators, and A to Z Sports Primetime. Okay, so today was insane. Now, I came down, and this is where things start to get nuts, right, with off-season stuff. Because if you're unfamiliar with where I'm at, and Puka's asking why there's no rundown on the show tonight, well, we don't, we don't do the full rundown if I'm not in studio, right? And I'm in Mobile, Alabama, so we don't have... We don't have the DraftKings Sportsbook Studios backdrop. We don't have all of the uh, accoutrement of what we have at home. So we do the prime time on the road like we do when, we, uh, when we're in the stadiums, right? Take the show on the road. we got a different graphic for the road look. So at the Senior Bowl, you know, this is where things start to really heat up as far as NFL trades are concerned. Free agency. You've got college head coaches here. Ed Orgeron, Nick Saban. Uh, Josh Heupel of the Tennessee Volunteers, all people who I saw at the Senior Bowl practices today. John Robinson, by the way, who's on the radio show tomorrow. We're interviewing John Robinson on the radio show at noon or at 12.20 Central Time. So make sure you're listening to that. And I want to talk about John specifically. But there's a lot of deals that start to get done at these college all-star games in the moments ramping up to the draft, because you've got agents, you've got scouts, you've got GMs, you've got coaches, you've got media vultures like me. We're all, the whole league, before we all go to Indianapolis together, or wherever they put the combine in the future, it starts here in Mobile. And so with all that being said, we're all together this week. We're all hanging out at, uh, at, at uh, it's not a, it's not Lad Peebles Stadium, that's where they play the actual game. But the, on the campus of South Alabama, and we're all here to watch college prospects, but really deals are being done all over the place, in the hallways outside of the convention center where the radio row setup is for me. Stephen Snyder wants to know, is Bill Belichick there texting? Yes, but whom? Whom is he texting, Steve, Stephen Snyder? Because God knows, and we'll we'll save that for the end of the show, it's crazy what's happening down here. But more than anything, to keep it local first and foremost, you know, we're talking about the future of the Tennessee Titans franchise. Before we get to Brady, before we get to everything else that went nuts in football today, we're first and foremost focused. My primary purpose down here is to figure out what information that I can get out of anybody who is willing to talk to me about these draft prospects so that I can better relay that information to you and get you ready for the NFL draft. That's the whole reason why uh, why I'm down here. So in doing that, um, I'm, I'm scheduled to talk to John Robinson tomorrow at 1220. And the focal point of our conversation is obviously going to be, all right, John, where do you go from here? Right. Season ended in a pretty 
disappointing fashion. I mean, uh, dramatically disappointing fashion. And the quarterback is at the center of not all of this, but a lot of this. So with all that being said, and with the franchise in the state that it's in, and with some pretty interesting quarterback prospects who are here, who could be had in maybe the late first round, Uh, There will be some that are available in the second, but as of right now, you don't have a second-round pick. This is the place where conversations start, by the way, here in Mobile about potential trades, either out of the first round or trading up in the first round or, you know, dealing back and forth, players being discussed for trade. Like, this is where those conversations start. So, with John Robinson, what I'm looking forward to talking about is, all right, how do you advance this particular team? And it was interesting because I saw Jim Wyatt. Jim Wyatt's the only other Titans media member down here with me. And Jimmy's going to be on the radio show tomorrow as well. Jim Wyatt of TennesseeTitans.com, he got a chance to sit down and do a do a written interview with John. We'll speak with John on the phone tomorrow on the radio show. So John Robinson is here. He's here to work. And what basically Jimmy did with uh, John Robinson is go through every element of how things played out and how the franchise moves forward from here. John Robinson, uh, they had a 25-minute conversation today outside the convention center at the Senior Bowl. And what John Robinson said, one of the biggest takeaways from that, is that he believes Ryan Tannehill to be a leader. In fact, he backed Ryan Tannehill, who has been the subject, obviously, of a lot of criticism. We've talked about it here. You guys have talked about it on social media. You guys have called into the radio show to talk about it. You're communicating uh, in Twitter spaces amongst each other, like all of these things. And John Robinson to Jim Wyatt on TennesseeTitans.com backed Ryan Tannehill. Quote, I think Ryan is a leader. I think Ryan is tough. I think Ryan has made a lot of great plays for us. He is our quarterback. I don't know that there is a quarterback who stands in the pocket and looks down the barrel of a blitz and throws the ball as well as he does. I know he works extremely hard, loves his teammates, is competitive. He's played a lot of good football. To have a micro-evaluation over one game is not fair to any player. Again, I'm reading John Robinson's words. I think you have to look at the scope of the body of work and what he has done for this football team since he has been here. And on that note, on that note, that's John Robinson giving a a full-on backing of the Tennessee Titans quarterback. Now, my question to you is, how does that make you feel? That's where we should start your Two Rivers Ford take. Fair or foul? Titans GM John Robinson backing Ryan Tannehill. Let me know in the comments section on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, and on Twitch. We'll talk about it together and get into the conversation about this right after I tell you about the people who present the Two Rivers Ford take, which is, of course, Two Rivers Ford. Two Rivers Ford is in Mount Juliet but they are the state's most dependable, most reliable, and most customer service-focused car dealership anywhere in the state of Tennessee. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet is the place that you go. They've been doing business in Middle Tennessee for nearly 40 years, since 1983. That's the place where I'm 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 not just a Two Rivers Ford endorser. I'm a Two Rivers Ford customer. The reason that I endorse them is because I believe in the way that they do business and because I believe in the quality of the Ford product, quality American-made Ford vehicles at Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. So, fair or foul, John Robinson's words. Carl Clemens says, what is he supposed to say? And this is a good point, Carl. Um, 
because I think that whenever you hear this, whenever you hear like when Mike Vrabel's asked about Todd Downing and Mike says that Todd Downing is, um, among other things, a great coach. And we tell you, okay, like we asked Mike Vrabel the question. This is his response. Mike Vrabel said that Todd Downing is, among other things, a great coach. And the immediate response is, well, what's he supposed to say? He's just being diplomatic, blah, 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 blah. He can't really think that. But what I'd say to you is, in both the case of Vrabel and Todd Downing, and also Mike and John Robinson, talking about Ryan Tannehill, they believe that not just saying, yeah, he's our quarterback for 2022, but going above and beyond to endorse him. Again, let me read you the line because I think this is I think this is the most important part. Again, this is at TennesseeTitans.com, courtesy of Jim Wyatt, who's going to be on the radio show tomorrow right before John Robinson is on the radio show, as a matter of fact, and I'm going to talk to John about this. Quote, to have a micro-evaluation over one game is not fair to any player. I think you have to look at the scope of the body of work and what he has done for this football team since he has been here. That is what John Robinson said of Ryan Tannehill. So that's not just saying, yeah, he's going to be our quarterback in 2022. Like, if John wanted to answer it diplomatically, here's what it would sound like. Because I've heard him do this before. I've heard Vrabel do this before. Yeah, uh, Ryan Tannehill is going to be our quarterback. Uh, or Ryan Tannehill is our quarterback. We uh, we need um, – well, let me let me do this a little better. Ryan Tannehill is going to be our quarterback. But like any like any position on the roster, we're constantly looking for ways to improve all positions across the board, not just quarterback, but all positions across the board. We're looking to get better. We didn't achieve our goal this year. We're trying to continue to better the football team. And he could have left it at that, right? He didn't have to expand. He didn't have to say micro evaluation of one game of a one game sample size about the quarterback. No, he went above and beyond, which may not seem like a lot to you in those words. But for football people who do not dole out individual praise a whole lot, that is a full-on endorsement of Ryan Tannehill. Make no mistake. So, Carl, when you ask what is he supposed to say, well, he's supposed to, he's supposed to keep things calm, right? He's not going to outright knife Tannehill uh, on, on the team's official website, and he's, not gonna, he, he's probably not going to do it when I ask him on the radio show tomorrow, too. But what he does not have to say is he does not have to go in above and beyond to kind of narrow this down and be like, yeah, I think he's getting a bad rap for a one-game sample size when all he's done here really is win. And again, I'm paraphrasing for for uh, for John Robinson. Deborah uh, Puka says, fair, though it is GM speak. I love it, says Stephen Kim Sheridan. It is fair. Really wish we had that second-round pick, says Brent Matlock. Yeah, this year, especially with the quarterback situation, the second-round pick would not be bad to have. For Kendall K-Mac Murden, it's foul. He does not believe and Ryan Tannehill. And by the way, if you think if you think that John Robinson's comments are foul, I'd be curious to hear if expand on it a little more for me so we can have a bit of a dialogue here. Because you know, it's just me. I need to, I need you to give me more than just one word. If you want me to expand upon your opinion, we can have a legitimate conversation about it. Like Aubrey Calvin, who writes foul. We have more than one game to evaluate him. He's been in the playoffs the last three years. This is absolutely so. Aubrey, you are spot on. Now, Ryan Tannehill in three years, let's say, let's call it two and a half right? Because six games in, Marcus Mariota was still the starter. So maybe maybe two and two and, uh, two and two-thirds season, or however you want to dice it up, right? So Ryan Tannehill, in those seasons, made the postseason all three times, right? In 2019, saved them, really legitimately saved them 
from falling off a cliff and being, I mean, from wasting a year, right? A year of this window. Made it to the AFC Championship game. He's now, since then, had two playoff games where he is one and done. He's out in the first round. And, well, technically this year the second round because they had the first round bye, but you know what I'm saying. Like, they did not win a playoff game in 20 or 21. Both of those games came at home. Ryan Tannehill has now been in five playoff games. All of them, by the way, with the Tennessee Titans. Made made the playoffs in a season with the Dolphins, but his season was ended due to injuries. We've talked about Matt Moore started that playoff game and lost that playoff game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So Tannehill now two and three as a playoff quarterback. Two of those games coming at home, which is difficult to stomach, especially when they did all of those incredible things in three different stadiums going to New England, to Baltimore, and to Kansas City, and ultimately losing in the AFC Championship game to the team that won the Super Bowl. Now, with all that being said, I think that, Aubrey, you have to appreciate the fact that you never would have gotten here with Marcus Mariota, right? Just to play devil's advocate. This is from the, from the perspective of John, right? You never would have gotten there with Marcus Mariota. You, instead of having, what, it's now six consecutive winning seasons, and five playoff trips, or excuse me, four playoff trips in the last five years, you would have floundered. You would have floundered pretty spectacularly if they had not made the decision, if John had not acquired the quarterback. Now, And make no mistake, John Robinson is a believer in Ryan Tannehill. He would not have otherwise traded for him as a player if this was not indeed the case. So you do have to recall that John Robinson is the person who brought Ryan Tannehill here why then would John Robinson not back the player that he brought here? And he did the same. He did similar things for Marcus Mariota. It doesn't mean that John Robinson. Uh, it doesn't mean that John Robinson is going to implicitly, you know, hand the thing over to Ryan Tannehill and be be like, all right, this is our guy until the end of time. But here is here is the place where there might be some pitfalls. No, I think they're very realistic about. Ryan Tannehill's shortcomings as a player, but also they are greatly appreciative because the conversation around John Robinson is much different without Ryan Tannehill. It's much different around Mike Vrabel without Ryan Tannehill, because if they didn't get a quarterback to save the roster in the place that it was in 19 and keep this thing afloat, then instead of talking about a potential coach of the year in Vrabel and uh, one of the better executives in all of football, we could potentially be talking about a coaching search and a GM search because there would have been pressure. There would have been legitimate pressure. So, of course, those guys are going to stay loyal to the guy who brought them to this point. Now, are they going to be blindly loyal? I don't think so. That doesn't strike me as something that's in John Robinson or Mike Vrabel's DNA. Like, they they are tasked with making the best decision in the best interest of the football team. And for for the last three years, the last three seasons, that has been unequivocally Ryan Tannehill, right? You would not dispute that at any point before the Bengals' playoff game. So when you boil it down to that one playoff game, yes, it's hugely important. Yes, it's probably, I mean, like the 49ers, right? The Titans wasted a great football team this year. There's no other way around it. Like, the season ended in a terrible loss. That's a waste of this football team's season no matter how many great things they accomplish, no matter if Mike Vrabel wins Coach of the Year. There are good things that were there. There are things that to, to be impressed by, of course, but ultimately, they failed. So with all that being said, 
they now have to find ways to keep from plateauing on this thing. And I don't think they're at that point with Ryan Tannehill. But again, we're talking about one season moving forward before they can move on financially with ease from Ryan Tannehill. And in this one season, they've got a lot, they've got a lot that they have to accomplish to change the narrative if Tannehill is going to stay around and stay in the position that he is now. Bobby Marquez says, I was shocked that the general manager supported Tannehill, but Tannehill has some of the most comeback wins and stats comparable to Mahomes and Brady and Aaron Rodgers. I add parenthetically, even though Bobby didn't include him, uh, his numbers are right up there with Aaron Rodgers. He is, uh, he's top, he's top 10 in the league in the last three seasons since he's been in Tennessee. Um, and again, regular season and postseason, there is a substantial difference. We cannot discount, um, we cannot discount the shortcomings in the playoffs. Um, but Bobby goes on to add, although he just can't put that together in the playoffs, the reason being is because the offensive coordinator will not allow him to throw the ball more because we are a run team first. Only thing with that is teams are shutting down Henry in the playoffs because no creativity with offensive coordinator and to adjust to get Tannehill and receivers going. And I don't, I don't dispute, and I'm not saying, I don't know if Todd Downing is going to be the Titans offensive coordinator long-term. I do. I am almost certain that Todd Downing is going to be the Titans offensive coordinator this coming season. So a lot of this pressure will be on him because if not, if they fall flat again, if it looks that kind of uninspiring again with that kind of offense because all of those skill position players are coming back and now you have the potential to add more to that group Julio AJ Derrick Henry at a tight end offensive line is going to get shuffled around you're going to see uh, a fair amount of new faces on that side of the ball but for me I'll tell you tell you whether I think it's fair or foul here in just a second right after I remind you about DraftKings Sportsbook America's Top-rated sportsbook app is DraftKings Sportsbook. They are also at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official, uh, unofficial betting partner of the NFL. The moment that we've all been waiting for since September is finally here. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl Fifty Six, and because of that, they're giving new customers fifty-six to one odds on either team. Bet just five bucks and get two hundred and eighty in free bets if your team does win. All you got to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code A to Z Sports. Get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins with promo code A to Z Sports at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Tennessee only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text the Tennessee Red Line 1 800 889 9789. So, is it fair or foul, John Robinson backing Ryan Tannehill? And if you've listened to me talk about this game, if you've listened to me talk about this quarterback, my uh, my longstanding position on this has been that Ryan Tannehill is, is good enough, that Ryan Tannehill is good enough to be this team's quarterback in the immediate future, in the immediate future. Should possibilities be explored onto how to better their position? At quarterback, of course they should. And they are, by the way. Just because John Robinson has publicly and privately backed Ryan Tannehill as his quarterback does not mean that John Robinson is just no longer going to continue to try and find ways to upgrade the position. Of course that's not so. So with all that being said about Ryan Tannehill, whether I think it's fair or foul, 
I I thought about this a lot, um, and especially right after the game, because I was I was really struggling on how to process. I'm like, on the one hand, I watched that game. I was at that game. I was sitting in the press box. I talked to that quarterback. I talked to that head coach. Um, I'm going to talk to the general manager tomorrow about this on the radio show. And so with all that being said, how do I kind of process Ryan Tannehill? Because I know that he blew it, right? You know that he blew it. We all know that Ryan Tannehill, in the biggest moment, through the three interceptions, tip drill or not, that cost them the ability to advance and beat the team on their side of the bracket that is now in the Super Bowl, right? You had the kill shot on the Bengals. Kansas City uh, had a similar kill shot on the Bengals. They also botched it, but in a different way. They did it scoring more than 16 points. With all that being said, I believe John Robinson's comments on Ryan Tannehill, to be fair, to be fair, because the thing that I hate, even though I can do this, I do this sometimes too as somebody who's in this profession, I think that we are so prisoner of the moment and week to week in the analysis of the NFL. Now, is it easier to say fire fire everybody? Get rid of Ryan Tannehill. Get rid of our uh get rid of Todd Downing. Blah 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 blah. Fire everybody. What a you know, just to, to go on on crazy rants without any real grounding in reality? Yeah, that's probably more fun. Maybe I should do more of that. Maybe this maybe I would be more entertaining if I threw out a couple more hot takes every once in a while. But with all that being said, like in processing that game, to me, Ryan Tannehill. Even the day after the game, even the day after the game, I sat there thinking about that. I'm like, they could have, they, they, they made enough plays to win the game, right? They made enough plays to win the game. That's the thing that I kept getting hung up on in my head because Ryan Tannehill came to the podium, sat in front, well, stood in front of us after they lost to the Bengals and said, we didn't make enough plays to win the game. And I'm sitting there in my head screaming, no, you dope. You did make enough plays to, to win the game. In fact, you made plenty of plays to win that game. The defense made enough plays to win that game. You, he made enough plays to win that game with that dart of a touchdown pass that he threw to A.J. Brown. He hit A.J. on what? At least three different completions of 20-plus yards down the field. They had the run game going. There was enough run run plays made in the run game to win that game. Randy made enough plays on special teams to win that game. The game was winnable, and yet they choked it away, right? But with all that being said, I keep coming back to the idea, and this I want to play a clip for you from my radio show on Monday after they lost on that Saturday prior, right? So this is two days removed from the playoff game. I'd watched that game back four or five times at that point. I've watched that quarterback back specifically four or five times. And the conclusion that I ended up making off of that two days after they blew that game was that he's still good enough to win a Super Bowl. And you, you want Jason said he's going to be the unpopular person today. Hold my beer. Ryan Tannehill's still good enough to win a Super Bowl with. There is not, there is probably, I could count on one hand of people that are going to agree with me. But I watched that game while looking at him playing piss poorly, truly, and thinking Jimmy Garoppolo's in an NFC championship game. Exactly what Jason just laid out. Find a way to make it work. Four and one in the playoffs in his career. Garoppolo? Yep. His <laughs> only loss was Super Bowl 54. They low-key own, not even low-key, they're four and oh. The Niners are against Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. with Colin Kaepernick and Jimmy Garoppolo. Two quarterbacks who have success but are admittedly limited. I'm not saying 
that Ryan Tannehill wasn't a big problem on Saturday. There is no disputing that. I am saying that it is the job. Hell, it was the singular reason that Mike Malarkey was fired. Well, let's not say singular reason. It was the most important reason that Mike Malarkey was fired and Mike Vrabel was brought in. It was Marcus Mariota then, but the concept still applies. You were brought here. You were brought here to maximize the ability of your players. I have seen Ryan Tannehill be above average the last three seasons. I'm not going to give you recency bias other than to tell you that he was not good on Saturday. And my point to you would be make him better. You know, I think that's pretty concise. I, and we, we, we get into this conversation with coaches. That was Curtis. That was uh, from my, my radio show on 104.5 The Zone. You can hear it from 10 to 1 on 104.5 The Zone, Monday through Friday. John Robinson on tomorrow. By the way, I'm going to, I'm going to read you the guest list really quick since I'm plugging stuff. Uh, I'm going to read you the guest list that I have down at the Senior Bowl, where we're broadcasting live from, by the way. Kalen Kaler of Defector, John Robinson, Titans GM, Jim Wyatt of TennesseeTitans.com. We got John Ledyard of Pewter Report, Dane Brugler of The Athletic. We've got Coach Dave McGinnis and Trevor Sycama and Dan Lust, the uh, sports attorney who's going to come on and uh, who's going to come on and explain to me this Brian Brian Flores lawsuit with the league that we still haven't got to yet. But with all that being said, the reason, and, and I'm not going to restate what you just heard me say two weeks ago, right? Ryan Tannehill was not good. But players win games, coaches lose them. And what I saw was a game plan that was insufficient to maximize the abilities of the, of the quarterback on that day when there were still enough plays made by that quarterback to win that game. And we'll leave it at that. So fair is the answer to the question. Fair. I believe Ryan Tannehill. Um, I believe that John Robinson backing Ryan Tannehill is fair, and I believe he'll do it again when he's on with me on the radio show tomorrow, 1220 Central Time uh, on 104.5 The Zone. All right, let's uh, let's move on and let's talk about Tom Brady because Tom Brady's, speaking of things that have stretched out since the Saturday prior, Tom Brady's retirement four days into it, we finally had official confirmation this morning at like 8.30 on his Instagram page. Tom Brady is officially retired from the NFL, and I want to ask you this question about Tom Brady, and I don't know how you guys are going to answer this, but I saw Jeff Darlington, who, by the way, has been a stud in reporting two of the biggest sports stories of my, I mean, I would argue of my lifetime, Tom Brady leaving New England, uh, or at least the two biggest football stories of my lifetime, of legitimate consequence about the greatest player in the history of that sport, right? Tom Brady uh, Tom Brady leaving New England, Jeff Darlington got that right. Tom Brady retiring, Jeff Darlington got that right. Uh, he absolutely deserves his flowers today. But I saw Jeff Darlington after the news was confirmed, four days after, that has to be a miserable existence. You're just sweating it out, waiting for Brady to uh, to to do the thing that you know that he's going to do, but that's still four days of you sweating it out, people telling you how wrong you are and you're a liar. How dare you ruin Tom Brady's? You know, retirement announcement, let Tom do it the way, blah, blah. You know, all this stupid stuff that people who don't understand how our business works. And uh, listen, Jeff's doing it. Jeff and Schefter are doing it a hell of a lot higher level than I am. I'm just saying, as somebody who operates in this similar space, like the criticisms of Jeff Darlington in particular, I thought to be completely ridiculous. But I want to ask you what your favorite Tom Brady memory is. Because 
I think, and I saw, I think it was, it was Jonathan Hutton today on, on Outkick 360. I caught a little bit of their show as I was, uh, as I was wrapping up. I thought that Hutton put it so well in the way that he said, it's so rare after 22 years of a career that he leaves you wanting more. And that's exactly, he, and I tried to articulate that, I think on, uh, I think on Sunday, something similar, like I don't want Tom Brady to be done, right? I didn't want Tom Brady to retire. I, but this is, this is why it's such a perfect time for him to retire because he's doing it in a way that leaves, leaves us wanting more. And for Brady, athletes almost never go out at the point in their career where they're still playing at the highest level. Tom Brady has done that. He could probably come back and play again if he wanted to at age 45, which he will be next year, which is absolutely insane to think about. But I want to ask you what your favorite Tom Brady memory is, and then I'll share with you a really good piece that Jeff Darlington put together on ESPN after he had reported this out, uh, right after I tell you about the Ashton Real Estate Group of REMAX Advantage at GaryAshton.com. That is the place that you go to get the Intel edge when you are selling your home in this crazy Nashville real estate market, GaryAshton.com. They did that for me when they were trying to set me up and did set me up in a position to succeed. I bought my home in downtown Nashville, in north downtown Nashville, like the north side of downtown Nashville, two years ago, right? Neighborhoods coming up. I, I mean, I've always loved it over there, even though people criticize North Nashville in ways that I think are completely unfair. North Nashville is my home. I've been a resident almost three years now. But at the time, not a lot of people were moving over to North Nashville. And Gary and his team told me, listen to me, you're, this is going to be the best decision that you ever make. Because what's going to happen is businesses are moving to Nashville. Amazon moving to Nashville. Oracle building a campus right in your neighborhood, moving in the future to Nashville. Property property uh, values are going to go through the roof from what you're purchasing your home for three years ago. It'll be three years in June. The Ashton Real Estate Group of REMAX Advantage, I can't thank them enough because not only has my home equity gone through the roof, but my home is, uh, <laughs> is appreciating in value in ways that I could not have appreciated two years ago. That's the kind of Intel edge that the Ashton team will help you win with at GaryAshton.com. So, what's your favorite Tom Brady memory? I want you to watch this uh, this tribute to Tom Brady that Jeff Darlington put together, and then we'll talk about it together here on A to Z Sports Primetime. The greatest of all time. Nice job, boys. Put a hang in there. All day, just like that. The greatest of all time. For 22 seasons, Tom Brady's football career has been discussed, debated, and dissected like few others in American sports history. Tom Brady's a guy. He's the best quarterback in the game. Nothing better than Tom Brady. It has been celebrated and scalded, revered and rebuked. But there's one thing, as he heads into retirement, we all seem to agree on. The 199th pick of the 2000 NFL Draft, Tom Brady ends his career as the greatest quarterback of all time. People say, what do you want to do after football? And I'm like, what do you mean after football? There's nothing after football. This is what, you know, I was born to do, and this is what I enjoy doing more than anything else. And the QB stats. He retires with the most touchdowns and passing yards in NFL history. 600 touchdown passes for Tom Brady. He's a five-time Super Bowl MVP, 
played in 10 Super Bowls and won seven. Tom Brady is a Super Bowl champion again for the record-setting seventh time. Of course, the first 19 years, he did alongside perhaps the greatest coach in NFL history, as Brady and Bill Belichick have more wins together than any coach and QB combo in NFL history. Well, he's a, you know, obviously a great mentor and someone I learned so much from. I went into a situation that was ready to embrace me and help cultivate what I could become. Longevity? He's the only player to win a Super Bowl in three different decades. And the only player to win multiple championships after his 40th birthday. No professional athlete in American sports history has spanned as many years between their first championship MVP and his last. 18 years separated the two. We're going to celebrate this forever. He is the rare player that will conjure different memories for different generations. Some will forever relate Brady to his early years. The sixth round draft pick who hoisted a Lombardi in his second NFL season. Some will relate Brady to the time when controversy seemed to be swirling. Like when he endured the infamous Deflategate allegations. When he was accused of breaking the rules by letting air out of the footballs to improve his grip. Is Tom Brady a cheater? I don't believe so. I mean, I feel like I've always played within the rules. I would never do anything to break the rules. He received a four-game suspension, then led his team to the greatest comeback of all time, coming back from 28-3 against the Falcons to win his fifth Super Bowl ring. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. And then there's Tampa Tom. Refreshed and refreshing, Brady captured the sports world once more when his new publicly outward personality prompted many of Brady's critics to come around on the Florida man. And yes, that version of Brady had one thing in common with all the others, another championship. Bucks win, Bucks win the Super Bowl. Tom Brady, you are the GOAT, the greatest of all time. You did it! I was saving up for the Super Bowl. You did it Tom Brady's greatness spanned the generations. His career started as one of the great stories in football history. And it ended in Tampa just the same. It is for all those reasons. We'll tell our kids and our kids' kids about Tom Brady, the greatest of all time. Football was my first love. It really was. And, you know, for me to love it like that has enabled me to work hard at it. So grateful for the support that I have. When you get that support, you want to go make people proud. How cool is that? Jeff Darlington uh, with uh, one, just incredible legwork to break that story. And two, uh, the great uh, production of ESPN with Jeff Darlington, whose voice you heard talking about documenting the career of, uh, of a guy that, you know, we've, we've never seen anything like him. And we may not see anything like him ever again. He's, he's, you know, Derrick Henry has superpowers, right? We talk about Derrick Henry's superpowers and, Every year there's kind of like Joe Burrow is getting some of this now, right? Where you're talking about Joe Burrow is showing off some Tom Brady ability, some Tom Brady tendencies. He reminds me of watching young Brady play, blah, 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 blah. And the more that I hear that kind of stuff, the more I'm just like, no, man, like nothing, nothing. He's been an NFL He's been an NFL quarterback since I was six years old. So maybe I'm a little more attached to him. You know, maybe this is the way that people felt about 
uh, Terry Bradshaw or Dan Marino or Joe Montana when they were growing up during those iterations of football. But 22 years, 22 years, we've never seen anything like him before. And I'm grateful. I'm really grateful uh, to have, I've, I mean, how many times have I seen him play live uh, since covering the NFL in these last, uh, it's going to be six years next season. I have seen him once in 2018 at New England in 2019. Uh, they were here for training camp in 2019. So three times we spent a week with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and that Patriots team before he ended up leaving. 2020, uh, they did not play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but four times I have been fortunate. Three times in games and one for a week in training camp. Well, twice for so five times because they were in uh, they were in uh, Tampa Bay again this off season. There is, uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about that for the rest of my life, right? Like that's the kind of stuff that you talk about for the rest of your life. And the impact that somebody like that has. So, you know, to people, people have hated Tom Brady for a long time. There's probably still plenty of you guys that hate Tom Brady, right? Bleep that guy. He uh, he beat the Titans like 59 to nothing in a playoff, or not in a playoff game, but in a regular season game. Jeff Fisher on the sidelines in the snow. It's one of the most iconic pictures of just pure defeat that ever we've seen. But there is there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that that I think you appreciate after the fact where. In real time, you hate him because he always beats your team. He always wins. Ten damn Super Bowls. Ten. It's obscene. Ten Super Bowls. And he won seven of them. Seventy percent of the Super Bowls Tom Brady has played in, he's won on a larger sample size than anybody in the history of the sport. Um, so it's pretty cool. And I uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that I've gotten to cover him um, to the extent that I have. And I was really, I was really glad to see Jeff Darlington and ESPN put together that piece. So I'm glad we got to share that here with you if you haven't seen it. Um, so it's time for uh it's time for gone viral and gone viral. I mean, this has been a long show already tonight, or a longer show already tonight, and we haven't even talked about the Brian Flores lawsuit, which sounds crazy to me. But I do want I don't want to get out of here without playing this clip from Mina Kime. So the question that I want to ask you, and we'll spend more time on the details of this tomorrow. Because it's already, uh, it's already getting pretty late, and I've got a, I've got some prep work that I've got to do tonight here on the primetime show um, to get ready for Senior Bowl tomorrow. But the question I want to ask you is this: Have you ever gotten in trouble for sending a text to the wrong person? Let me know on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. This is going to require a little more in-depth ex- explanation, so I hope you guys don't mind hanging out with me for a little longer tonight. But it's been a good show; it's a lot of content to get to in the show thus far. And I'm down here at the Senior Bowl. We haven't even talked a lick of draft. We'll do that tomorrow night when maybe there's less NFL news. But the question I want to ask you is, have you ever gotten uh, in trouble for sending a text to the wrong person? Let me know on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch in the comment section. And we'll talk about it together right after I tell you about my friends at Brymac Mechanical. B-R-Y-M-A-K, Brymac.com satisfaction guaranteed on all of your HVAC needs. Brimac has you covered. They're the best in the business. They'll put you in your comfort zone. I know the weather was nice in Middle Tennessee today. I'm down here in Mobile. The weather was lovely in Mobile as well. But there's 
uh, weather on the horizon when last I looked at my Weather Channel app. And so you want to make sure that you're in your comfort zone in your home or in your commercial business because Brymac can do that too. B-R-Y-M-A-K, Brymac.com. All right. So have you ever sent a text to the wrong person? Because without going into crazy details, and I'll just kind of briefly recap this story, even I don't know that there's a brief way to recap this story. There is a lawsuit that is being filed by Brian Flores, a civil lawsuit filed by Brian Flores, who's the former coach of the Miami Dolphins. He is saying, basically, that there is a double standard in the NFL, that he has been, and many other black coaches before him, have been dragged along and brought in for interviews that weren't serious interviews to be a head coach to satisfy things like the Rooney Rule, right? Which requires that you interview at least one minority candidate in the search for your next head coach. This was basically made when the there was a Dolphins executive who, in the, in the process of evaluating Mike Tomlin, described him as, quote, and this is a real quote, I've heard the audio myself, described him as, described Mike Tomlin, super serious, Super Bowl champion, Mike Tomlin, leader of men, a Dolphins executive in the hiring process, described Mike Tomlin as, quote, unquote, too hip-hop, which is about as racially charged as you can be without saying some kind of a racial slur, right? We all know this to be so. So now Brian Flores has, has had enough, H- had enough. He didn't get the Giants job. Uh, it, it ended up being a mistaken text from Bill Belichick congratulating Brian Dable, not Brian Flores, on getting the Giants job. This is one of the things that seemed to have set Brian Flores off in the middle of all of this. Because he is being led along, as many minority coaches have before him, led along just for the sake of satisfying this rule so NFL franchises can hire whomever they like and whomever they had their hearts set on prior to the interview process. So with all that being said, the question that I'm asking you is, have you ever sent the wrong text to a wrong person? Wrong person, no, says Stephen Cato. Drunk text, yeah, well, some, some, sometimes that can be the same thing, right? Sometimes you don't want it. You you can mistakenly send a you up a you up text. Not that I do that anymore because I'm in a fantastic relationship with my loving girlfriend. But we have all been in those situations at different points in our lives. And what I would say to you is that Bill Belichick sending basically a uh, a misplaced you up text to Brian Flores, meaning to send it to Brian Dable, is laugh out loud funny. But it gets to the root of a bigger issue, right? Because This is going to have, in the same way that Tom Brady has ripple effects across football, Brian Flores has the the potential to legitimately change how the NFL goes about things. And with all that being said, all that being said, what Brian Flores did was incredibly courageous because he now runs the risk of never getting an NFL head coaching job ever again because he sold a lot of people out in this. Talking about John Elway and the rest of the Broncos brass showing up drunk to his interview I think it was like almost a half hour late, having no real intent of conducting uh, or showing up after a night of drinking, not drunk to the interview, but showing up after a night of drinking, like 25 minutes late to his interview, not taking him seriously and giving the job to somebody else. Like there is a lot of different, there's a lot of different elements of this that you don't do in football, right? Football is a boys club. The, the definition it's, it's politics and sports boys club, right? Those are the terms that we most use to describe those things. And in selling out for a good cause, people in this in this good old boys club in the NFL 
you run the risk that you are not going to be hired by another NFL franchise. But it is important for not just Brian Flores, but for minority coaches who have constantly had the goalposts moved on them, right? Whereas there's a, uh, whereas people like Eric Bieniemy, who has been trying to get an NFL head coaching job for quite some time, who has been interviewed for NFL head coaching jobs and got passed over. You've got somebody like Byron Leftwich, who still hasn't gotten a job uh, after he was supposed to be the favorite candidate for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And meanwhile, the Jags are just coming off a year where they hired Urban Meyer because what? He's a famous football coach? There's a lot of different examples like that across generations in football where minority coaches have had the goalposts moved on them in a way that say, all right, coaches, organizations are looking to hire offensive uh, offensive uh, or defensive guys right now. So you focus on being a defensive co- coach if you're trying to come up through the ranks to become an NFL head coach. Well, then you get to the 2010s, basically, and everybody's telling you, nah, you know, everybody wants an offensive-minded head coach. They want a coach who's going to call their own play. So basically, you've just told that group of people, this is how you get a head coaching job, but now we've changed the script on you. And sometimes the league changes, right, in ways that you have to adapt. But it's too it's too blatant in the way that it happens too often to where I believe Mike Tomlin is the only black NFL head coach right now. That's even if there are only 32 jobs, even if there are only 32 jobs, that can't possibly be so. Mike Tomlin cannot be the only African-American or minority head coach who's good enough to be an NFL head coach. I refuse. I refuse to believe that. Brian Flores was probably the best coaching candidate out there, and he's the one getting the dummy interviews. Think about that stuff, man. It's wrong. And so when I was watching, or rather, when producer Reed was watching NFL Live today, they had, they got this news in real time. And it's a crazy story, and I'm leaving out a ton of details that we're going to have a ton more time to go through on the radio show tomorrow with Dan Lust, who's a sports attorney, because he's going to walk us through, you know, the legal standing that Brian Flores has in this civil suit. What Mina Kimes said on NFL Live today, and you'll forgive the video quality, but Mina Kimes going off on this subject in real time without having prior preparation to it, unless, you know, I mean, I'm sure they've got producers in their ears kind of guiding, guiding them through these things, but Mina was fantastic today on television, discussing the story as it broke out in a way that I think everybody needs to hear. So go on viral video of the week. But Mina Kimes, I want to go to you here as you hear this news and you think about the purpose of the Rooney rule. You think about Brian Flores's yeah. qualifications as an excellent head coach in the NFL. Where does your mind go? Well, Right now, these are allegations. I mean, what, what he is uh, alleging is that he's basically been given sham interviews. Um, I would say the substance, though, of what he's saying, which is that there's a massive race problem, lack of diversity amongst head coaches, and the NFL isn't fixing it. I can just tell you right now, that's true. It's true. I, you don't need a lawsuit to tell you that that's true. All you have to do is look at the ranks of head coaches. Look at the records of black head coaches uh, who are not given the same opportunities as their peers. And Laura, I, I've been writing about this for a long time. And I remember when I first started to cover the NFL years ago, back when there were six head coaches, at the time, the reason you heard a lot was, well, or the excuse, rather, was that, uh, well, you know, NFL teams, they want offensive masterminds and they want play callers. And I'm not going to lie to you. I thought that was true. I kind of bought it. But then... As the years went by and the numbers dwindled, you'd see defensive coaches hired, white defensive coaches, uh, guys who had never called plays, guys from college with no experience, guys like Urban Meyer with very spotty personal records in college. 
and you realize that the excuses just didn't make sense. Uh, and I know there's someone at home probably screaming, well, just hire the best man for the job. To which I'd say, well, that would be nice if it's what's happening, but it's not unless you believe all of the best candidates happen to be white. Unless you believe owners are making decisions on the basis of merit and not their own implicit biases and networks. So I, 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 we'll see how this plays out, but at the very least, it should start a conversation and we should approach this with some honesty instead of continuing to try to find excuses for what's happening. Sabrina Kimes absolutely preaching on the subject of Brian Flores. I thought she was spectacular. I thought that whole that whole and I DVR NFL Live every day. I don't always get to watch it live, but I thought in real time that that crew handled it spectacularly. Um, and actually, something again as as we talk about as we I, I know I plug the radio show a lot tonight, but like Kaylin Kaler, who writes about this stuff for Defector, she wrote a great article about nepotism in the NFL. And, and, I mean, even here in the Titans organization, we've seen it happen, right? Uh, uh, Dean Pease, who I'm, whom I love and respect, took a coaching job here because they'd let him hire his son. Now, Matt Pease, if I remember Coach uh, Pease's son's name correctly, Matt Pease, who was, a, uh, who was formerly a high school head coach, then became a, uh, an assistant on the Titans staff. And he may, have been, he may well have been deserving. And I think Matt... Um, I think Matt might have gone back to college football after the opportunity with the Titans to work with his dad. And it's a cool story, right, to get the opportunity to work with your pops in this kind of a business. But also at the same time, you know, it has to be a level playing field. It, ha- it just it has to be a level playing field if people are going to continue to give you their all, to commit their lives to this to this profession. And it football coaching seems like a ridiculous thing and you know, I'm sure many of you have jobs that you consider to be much harder, and I'm not here to tell you that coaching football is harder than what you do for a living. But I will tell you that it is mentally exhausting, that it keeps you away from your family a lot, and it's not always Mike Vrabel on the sidelines coaching the Pro Bowl in Las Vegas. No, it's you're being shipped off to God knows where across the country in the middle of, uh, in the middle of a football season during the week away from your family to go scout players to go you know to go deep dive on a D3 on a Barry College prospect like Mason Kinsey because you got to figure out who the undrafted rookie free agents are um there's a lot that people put into this stuff they dedicate their lives to it truly and to continue to move the goalposts on people in that way it's going to be a really great conversation with Kaylin Kaler tomorrow she is on the radio show at 10.20, no, excuse me, at 11.20, Jim Wyatt at 10.45, Kalen Kaler at 11.20, John Robinson at 12.20. Going to be a packed, loaded show tomorrow, and Dan Lust in the middle of that. So four great guests tomorrow on the radio show. That's the Gone Viral Video of the Week. Uh, which is tougher, Buck, pro coach or college coach? You know, G-Man have her ne- having never coached, obviously, but only dealing and working with coaches. <sighs> Uh, I think college college coaching would be just a, a, a hell unto itself. And not like the head – because once you become the head coach, then you're the, you're the king of the castle, right? And you stay king of the castle by continuing to grind the way that somebody like Nick Saban does. But think about how few – I mean, there's only one Nick Saban, right? So that's not necessarily something that everybody strives to or everybody maintains that level of excellence. To be a, to be a, 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 an assistant coach – 
on a college football team where you're constantly recruiting and you're constantly having to go out and uh, having to go out and spend time away from your family and deal with uh, kids who aren't yours and you're eating 17 meals a day because you've got you know a, a 10 or 20 mile radius of houses that you have to cover in Pahokee, Florida, and you got to make sure that you're not rude to that kid's family and they're going to offer you a meal and you got to eat that meal and all these things. It's exhaustive constantly on the road, constantly away from your friends, your family, and your loved ones, your life becomes this, right? It's why football people get so serious about it because it's what they, it's what they have to do. It's what they have to do to be able to keep these jobs. So, cause they're great jobs, right? Everybody wants to work in sports. I, I mean, hell to a much lesser extent, and everybody has sacrifices that they make in their career, but like, you know, the only, the only thing that I've ever done that would even remotely identify with that is and we, I don't know that we, again, we, it's the end of the show. So we have time to do a little personal conversation, but when I first started and I decided I wanted to work in sports, right? I moved down here without a job move while well, I'm in mobile right now, but I moved down to Nashville without a job had no job. Right. Um, I told my parents, uh, I'm going to find a part-time job, but I also want to do this unpaid internship at this radio station. That's allowed me to come intern for them. Um, so I would load trucks at UPS during the day for six or seven hours for like 12 bucks an hour. Then I would go to the radio 1025. I used to intern at 1025, go to the radio station at 1025, intern for a three hour show, do all of those things. Eventually they hired me for $10 an hour at 1025 to work from midnight to 6am. I wasn't on air. I do like top of the hour sports center updates, but I did that for a year and a half, loading trucks for six hours a day, going to the radio station from midnight to six. And then in my, in the second year of doing that in like the first, again, I did it for a year and a half. So not that long, but long enough to where, I mean, it might, this is why I'm terrible at sleeping because that I still jacked up my internal clock would go from UPS to the radio station at night for 10 bucks an hour to going unpaid covering Titans practice. And that's how I started covering the Titans, right? That's how I got in because one, I asked if I could go Two, they didn't have anybody to go. And three, they didn't want me to go because they thought that I was going to stay clocked in and charge them more, you know, $10, you know, another $10 or whatever that it was going to cost them to send me to, uh, to send me to Titans practice, but I kept doing it. And those are the kind of, you know, I, I did not have a life. I, I uh, ruined a relationship in the middle of that. Hell, I think I might have ruined, I might have ruined two relationships in the middle of that over the course of trying to, course of trying to get things. Definitely, definitely one for sure. Um, now I sound like a jerk because I can't remember if it was two or one, but there was definitely one that I ruined in the middle of that uh, because I just, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave. I wouldn't, I would work nights. I didn't want to go anywhere on the weekends. I was miserable. I was angry. I was tired. I did, you know, cranky. My uh, all of, all of these, all of these different things, right? All these different things. But at a certain point, those are the kind of, and every, everybody has a story like this. I'm not, I'm, I'm just telling you from my perspective, cause I've obviously never been a coach. Um, but yeah, we all have to make decisions, especially if you want to do this. Cause this is the fun stuff right now. You know, now we're five, six years in, we're killing it. You know, I, I bought a house, like you know, I'm paying a mortgage by talking into a microphone and hanging out at a senior bowl with, GMs and coaches and agents and all my media friends and watching players and going to the draft and I'm going to the Super Bowl next week, like all these things, all these things. Um, but it is, uh, 
you know, you gotta be, you gotta be willing to eat it. You gotta be willing to eat it. And everybody does in their first job starting out, but in sports, there's a lot of people that want these jobs. So you gotta be willing to go above and beyond and to sacrifice basically everything else um, around it. If you want to, uh, if you want to make it happen. Anyway, that got super serious at the end of that. I didn't think we were going to do life lessons with Buck Rising from Mobile, Alabama uh, <laughs> tonight. But fun conversation. Radio show is going to be great tomorrow. Again, Titans GM John Robinson on the show. We're going to have Jim Wyatt. We're going to have Kalen Kaler. We're going to have Dan Lust to talk about the legal side of the Brian Flores thing. We are going to have great coverage from the Senior Bowl. I'm going to be here tomorrow. I'm going to be here Thursday. And we will do the rest of the primetime shows here from Mobile this week. Thank you guys, as always, for hanging out with me. Puka is asking me what type of motel. Well, I'm not in a motel, Puka. I'm in a, uh, I'm in a, uh, I'm not going to tell you which hotel I am in, but Marriott, I'm a Marriott person. Um, So I would not, I don't believe Marriott has motels. Not to, you know, now I sound like a snob, right? I'm talking about, yeah, grind, grind, $10 an hour, blah, blah, blah. And now I'm saying I'm a Marriott guy. Marriott doesn't have motels. Not in, a, not, in a, not in a motel, but I'm in a Marriott property in scenic Mobile, Alabama. Uh, and I believe this is a this is a room designed specifically for uh, somebody who is, who is, I think is supposed to be, I think it's supposed to be designed for somebody in a wheelchair because I think it's the only room that they have left because the senior ball is packed, right? Everybody's here in the NFL. So this is a giant room. In fact, I've got two twin beds in here for no reason. It's just me in here. I, this is this is about as big as my first apartment was, <laughs> this hotel room. Anyway, love you guys. Talk to you on the radio tomorrow. See you on primetime tomorrow night. Thank you, as always, for hanging out. Peace and love.